People often struggle with the concept of identity. Who we are and how we choose to define ourselves help us to decide what career to pursue, who we spend our lives with, and how we spend our time. Part of the way many people define themselves is by their gender. Men enjoy spending time with the guys, watching sports, or having a beer. Women may enjoy a girl's night out, going out dancing, or shopping with their friends. But according to a UCLA study, for nearly one million people in the United States, the concept of gender is not so clear-cut. These people identify as transgender, meaning that they identify with a gender that does not correspond with their biological sex. In Gainesville, those people who feel this disconnect between their identity and their biology connect through a group called Tranquility. I came across a flyer for one of their meetings, and it made me wonder why a monthly meeting was necessary. After all, I had never been invited to a monthly meeting for people who do identify as their assigned gender, often called cisgender, as I learned. So the question I asked was simple. What about being transgender requires such an event? And what is done at these monthly meetings? The first step seemed easy. Go to a meeting and see what the whole thing was all about. Tranquility meets at Health Street, a UF organization that hopes to bring healthcare and health research to a more diverse population. Tranquility's mission statement, I found, is to provide a safe space for trans folk, their friends, and families to connect and express themselves. When I walked in and told them I was working on a project for WUFT, the receptionist's reaction was at first apprehensive. It became clear to me that confidentiality is very important to those attending Tranquility meetings. Many who attended were only beginning to explore the ideas of transitioning and were afraid friends or family would find out before they were ready. In light of this, I was asked not to record any of the meeting, being allowed only to observe and talk with people one-on-one -on -one afterwards. I graciously accepted. The meeting was casual and yet focused. Attendees were encouraged to share stories, poems, and songs to express themselves in ways some may not be able to do in any other context. One young trans boy, of about 11 or 12, shared a poem he had written about the first time he had met others like him. A man of about 23 shared his story of coming out to his family and their struggle to accept him. The speakers were eloquent, interesting, and often very funny. While I knew this group was very new, they had only had about six meetings, I got the feeling that those attending felt as though they were among good friends. The whole thing lasted about two hours, and by the end more than half the room of 49 people had spoken. Now I knew what they did, but the question of why still remained. I attempted to answer that question through interviews with attendees I had over the next several weeks. My name is uh, Dr. Hallie Cheeseman. Um, I'm a scientist, come engineer, spent a lot of my career in executive technical management, just had my 58th birthday. Well, gender is a very interesting question. I broadly go under the umbrella of transgender, but that's a, a very, very broad umbrella. Holly is the founder of Tranquility. She's recently started living as a woman full-time. Tranquility, she feels, provides vital support for many members of the trans community. You know, I think the saddest thing about trans people, of everything, is the fact that they're often rejected by the very people who should be leading acceptance. And that is families, first and foremost. And I heard this statistic, you know, I can't... Uh, back it up, but it, it's, just, it's intuitively right, I feel. You know, the, the trans people who attempt suicide, it's 41%. Um, and that's a lot, and that's a number that is validated by data. 
But I also heard that for teens, it's higher than the 41%, but only for those trans teens who do not have family support. Those trans teens who have family support, the attempted suicide rate is about normal. And I describe it along the lines of all of us, for all of us, identity is such an important thing. Who are we? And we navigate our way through life, knowing what our identity is. We feel good about ourselves. We get um, validation. There's a whole series of things that come from your identity. And particularly when you're a teen, a lot of your identity you take from your family. So if your family one day turns around and rejects you, that can cause horrendous problems for kids who can't work out what's what anymore. So if you look at families, uh, I think the numbers are 57% of trans people were rejected by their families. Let's go to the churches, shall we? <laughs> Let's see what the situation is with churches. Because churches have got a great opportunity here. You know, Jesus hung out with all sorts of people. You know, Jesus is going to be good at connecting with people who aren't one of the mill. And Jesus might be. <laughs> but sometimes churches, as the body of Christ on earth, um, at best haven't got a clue. And at worst, you know, are discriminatory along the lines of this is a grievous sin, repent or go to hell. You know, the data is something, there's no data on trans per se, but, um, you know, in terms of LGBT more broadly, um, only 10% of LGBT people who go to church um, would say they experienced a friendly experience. So, you know, I started thinking about this and, and seeing that there was this huge gap. There were meetings, that was fine. The meetings tended not to be structured. They tended to be fairly narrow in terms of the people they tried to pull in, both within the trans umbrella, but also certainly without the trans umbrella. And they certainly didn't engender a community where the community could actually provide some of the care and support that maybe people weren't getting from their families or indeed churches. And that was the sort of the gem or the germ, I guess the beginning of uh, um, tranquility. We had 24 people at our first meeting. In fact, we were meeting at the UUF church and we had to not use them anymore because the room they had available for us was going to be too small. And so we were very, very fortunate. You know, one of the, our steering committee works um, at UF and uh, specifically for a professor who runs an organisation called Health Street. And uh, we could have it for nothing. And it's a wonderful facility. So we had our second meeting there. I don't know, we had maybe 35 people. And we've been climbing since then, really. Our last meeting we had 49. We picked at 65 when we did a family session. We had uh, parents and children of trans people talking about the experience. And that brought in a lot of, a lot of families, which was really, really cool. Very emotional time. Very impactful time. So, you know, we started Tranquility in January and it's July and we've only had six, seven meetings. But we always already have a very interesting momentum. And one of the great things about the meetings is it already is an extremely diverse community. We have trans women, we have trans men, we have genderqueer, we have a lot of family members, we have um, friends or supporters or allies. You know, our youngest, I think, uh, at our last meeting was 11, and our oldest was 85. 
So it truly is a diverse community. The life of a transgendered individual can be very difficult. Halley's statistic, which claimed that the trans youth suicide attempt rate is higher than the overall rate, is true. In fact, according to the Youth Suicide Prevention Program, 50% of all trans youths will attempt suicide before the age of 20. Familial and societal pressure can cause trans people to live in an identity that they feel uncomfortable with. Hallie gave a brief account of the pressures she faced in understanding her identity. You know, when I was a kid growing up, that the word transgender didn't even exist. And uh, while I was attracted to, let's say, female things, I sort of knew that society considered that as a somewhat perverse thing to be thinking. So for literally most of my life, through school, through university, through a PhD, through what became a very successful career, um, and two marriages, <laughs> and six kids. You know, I did a um, pretty good job at keeping that very secret. And it's only in the last probably five years altogether, but certainly accelerating the last three years, and I've come to embrace my transgender self. Um, you sometimes hear, you know, people say, I always felt like I was a girl trapped in a boy's body, a boy trapped in a, in a girl's body, and, and I could never sort of really identify with that. Much of being trans seemed to be full of complexity. One thing that I noticed through all of my interviews and interactions with the members of Tranquility is that the concept of transgender was not restricted to simply moving from either male to female or female to male. And most trans people actually find themselves somewhere in between the two. In fact, some identify as neither gender. Often referred to as genderqueer, this puts people right in the middle of what can be thought of as a male-to-female spectrum. I talked to someone who identified this way in a coffee shop a few days after my first Tranquility meeting. So uh, if you could just state your full name, uh, your profession, and if you're comfortable, your gender identity. Okay. Jillian Goldstein. Um, over the last school, school year, I was a teacher's aide this summer. I haven't been employed. Um, I'm looking for jobs right now. And um, for me, gender like doesn't really exist. In so I just usually say genderqueer if people ask. So what, if any, struggles have you faced personally? Or, um, like, what's your story uh, in, in the whole gender spectrum and the transition sort of deal? Um, so the word transgender had been known to me. I guess I know I had probably had a concept of it since, uh, since I was... I'm 27 now, since I was, like, 16 or 17, but I always knew it as, like, oh, it's um, uh, someone who is male-bodied changing to female-bodied or female-bodied changing to male-bodied. Um, and I, and I, that I didn't identify with that at all. Um, but then as I um, talked to more people and got to know people in the trans community, I realized that trans could also mean other things because the prefix trans means across beyond or through so I don't have to be moving from one thing like one opposite thing to another opposite thing um, I could be totally out, outside of it or somewhere like in the middle so that's how I identify as in 
figure out how to say this. People often don't understand, know the difference. People who I talk to don't often know the difference between sex and gender. So I find myself having to explain the difference to a lot of people. Sex is just biological characteristics, your genitalia, um, uh, your chromosomes, your hor hormones, and gender is something that society makes up that can change over, over time and can vary from place to place. Gender just has never, like, the rules that, that I've grown up in, that I've seen society put on people, like, just don't have any weight on me. I, I really just feel very compelled to do and say and act the way I, I, that's most comfortable for me. While many in the trans community have a lot of complexity to wade through in simply understanding themselves, there's even more to be found in their relationships with their family. Many of the people I talked to had difficulty with their family and loved ones after their transitions. Negative attitude towards trans people and the LGBT community as a whole have left some abandoned by their parents or shunned by their children. This abandonment can be very painful for many in the community. Hallie from earlier has some experience with this. I look at my life today and it's the people I've met who have made my life really good. And there is a flip side to that. You know, some of the people who were in my life, who are not in my life anymore, that's being where the sadness and suffering comes. You know, and in, in a simple mathematical way, I'm an engineer, engineer after all, you know, the journey of a trans person is almost, does one outweigh the other? Do I have enough people in my new life, enough relationships, enough love, to counteract what I've lost? What I've lost, and also what I feel guilty about. I feel guilty that I abandoned my family for myself. So, you know, um, sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's significant. So the rejection by my family has been a very significant thing that happened to me. And it took me a year easily to start to understand where that would fit now in my feelings and in my life as a whole. You know, my 16-year-old daughter who doesn't talk to me anymore. That's painful. Uh, my 18-year-old son, who didn't talk to me for a year, he's just starting to talk to me again. That's wonderful. You know, it is not, a, it is not a, an easy journey to be taken on half-heartedly. Uh, and even now, you know, I look at it and say, could I have prepared myself better? And I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know, sitting here today, two and a half years on from disclosing everything to my family, I would not change the last two and a half years. Because of the rejection many like Hallie have faced, some who attend Tranquility are not out about their gender identity. For whatever reason, maybe for fear of losing their jobs or their loved ones, they keep their nature a secret. One such person I interviewed about his experience. As he is not out, he has asked that his name not be used. If you, you don't want to state your name, mm -hmm. so why don't like, maybe state your, your profession and then your gender identity. Okay. Um, so, I can actually be honest, I'd, I'd rather even keep the profession out of it. Okay. I'm just, I'm a working professional, and I publicly identify 
cis male, but I've been really intensely questioning for quite a few years. And I have a really complicated background that makes it difficult to have a really clear answer. Is that's good and everything? Yeah. That's all good. Okay. Yeah, so I have a really complicated background that makes it difficult to answer such a simple question. Um, to give you a little bit of perspective, I'm about 30 years old right now, and this entire topic of gender orientation is, is almost entirely new to me. This is something I hadn't heard of a few years ago, and a big part of that was my isolation. And I say that because I grew up in an incredibly protective religious group, protective in the sense that you prevent exposure to things that are not part of the religion. So I grew up homeschooled in this religious environment and actually went to undergrad at a Southern Baptist university. And at this university, as a matter of policy, you weren't allowed to be homosexual. That is an offense that could get you on academic probation or, or expulsion. And, um, and I just remember thinking how egregious it was that there were homosexual people in the world. Much less did I have any idea about the spectrum of sexual or gender orientation. So studying in an environment like that, where not only the authority feels that way, but all of your peers feel that way, you feel that that's, that's normal. And it makes it really easy to villainize everything that's not cis and heteronormative, because it's sort of like an us and them. And, you know, I don't want to trash all religion, but if you have an us and them, in a religious context where, context where God sides with you, it's God, the creator of the universe, and everybody who's, who's sort of doing it wrong. And again, I don't want to paint too negative a picture on, on all religions. I know there are a lot of people in every religion that are really loving and kind and open-arm embracing, but that's not necessarily the group of people that I had a lot of run-ins with. So that was kind of my earlier background, this idea where if you weren't cis-heteronormative, you had to be scared because hell <laughs> was right around the corner, and even if you didn't act on it, it would be a lifetime of pushing those urges away. And almost from a theological perspective, having those urges in themselves is sinful. So you're not even allowed to question, what is my sexual orientation? What is my gender orientation? Sexual orientation and gender orientation, if someone were to think about them, you could make decisions one way or the other. Sexual orientation is private. That's something that you experience. It's between you and you or you and someone else. And that's not necessarily public. But a, a gender orientation situation that's public. If you're going to embrace that or even question that, you have the option of the potential of wearing that on your sleeve. And at least at that point in my life, that seemed like the most egregious slap in the face to all authoritative positions on the very basics of what's right and wrong. So coming from that, <laughs> that environment, it's, uh, it's been a very new experience not only to be able to start asking these questions of myself that I never allowed myself the opportunity to ask, but also to get to know and to be around people, just absolutely incredible, really sweet and loving people who have had those opportunities and acted on it. And they're able to really embrace who they are and their own identity 
And over the last several years, it's been an absolutely incredible experience to get to know people like this and to just live life, live life with them. It's been eye-opening to a level of happiness and realness in someone's life that I didn't even realize could be missing. So now, with all that being said, I try really hard to only surround myself with people who are happy and genuine and who are happy being genuine, being themselves. They don't have to pretend to be one way or the other to feel good about themselves or to be afraid of eternal <laughs> suffering or something like that. They're really happy being who they are. And that's not, that doesn't mean that it's going to be without struggle. I mean, the struggles are huge, but at least they're almost noble. They're seeking something that's more important than just how they appear to other people. So, um, so yeah, so in the last few years, I've tried really hard to surround myself with people like that. And also keeping an eye open of being able to ask myself these questions that I'd never been able to ask before. And even now, it's a hard question to answer how one identifies, considering that the question is so new. Um, I live with two people who are on the gender spectrum. One of them is queer gender and doesn't really strongly identify as male or female, and they kind of appear androgynously. And, um, and they're really happy with that, and it's cool, so we use them, they pronouns. And the other person I live with, I hesitate to even say it, but he's trans male. The reason I hesitate is because in this really kind of interesting way, he's largely closeted about, that, about it. In an outreach situation, like if you were talking to other trans people, he would be really quick to say, oh yeah, I'm a trans guy, and these are my experiences, and he would encourage other people. However, in day-to-day -day life, he's really hesitant to share that information with anybody else. So in a large way, I mean, he's, he appears male and he passes male, and it, it's almost like it doesn't want to be an issue for people that he just met. Um, so in some ways, it's almost like he's closeted trans. And his story is usually that he would say that he wants someone to get to know him. He wants them to know him for who he is before this extra little tidbit of information about a previous gender comes out. And it's like once someone already forms their impression of you, then you can add that to the mix. But the complicated part is the interaction that he and I have because, you know, I don't, I don't identify entirely cis male or heterosexual, and I hang out with him a lot, and it's been incredible. So there are two guys that hang out, and we're both really intensely closeted in some way. I'm closeted about seeing guys, and he's closeted about being a guy. So we're in this situation where we both kind of have to agree to go through our lives not really outing each other. I'm not really supposed to tell people that he's trans unless he feels comfortable with it, and I would be pretty uncomfortable if he went out there and said that I weren't a heterosexual male, um, which kind of bends a little bit into this feeling of, you know, how do you have pride in this, or how do you encourage other people who go through this? Because on one hand, I want to say, oh, these are all these new things I'm experiencing, they're incredible. It's such an enlightening experience to be around people like this, and I want to encourage it as much as I can. But on the other hand, I'm really hesitant to just wear that stuff on my sleeve. A lot of the people who knew me from 
essentially my previous life have no concept of my current life. And they still hold these views where people who don't really fit the norm are pretty villainized, not just from a social standpoint, but from a eternal <laughs> God standpoint. Um, if, again, if there's this general idea that if you're not cis and straight that you're doing something wrong and you need to talk to God about it. And, uh, and that's a pretty scary group to get mixed in. And I think that if people like that had more opportunities to really interact with just regular people anywhere on the gender spectrum, that some of that fear and some of the quick judgments would be alleviated. But that's just kind of the, the state of where things are. So with everything in the mix, I'm kind of being around people I like and trying to keep an open mind and also trying to fly under the radar all at the same time and, and be as, as prideful as I can. So it's almost like introverted, closeted gender pride. So if there's something that I can do, I'm all over it. But if it's too public, it makes me pretty nervous still. And also I'll just mention that anything related to this topic, even now, even this interview, as I'm talking, I feel like I have to look around me to see, you know, oh my gosh, what is this guy talking about, etc. In other words, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, even talking about it. Because there are a lot of people that I know that would say I am doing something wrong, not even for being a part of this world, but for supporting or encouraging or being sympathetic for people who are part of this world. So there's a little bit of an internal battle that happens in me anytime this approaches being a public situation. At home, and this is part of why I've gone through some kind of extraordinary lengths to build myself a home in the way that I have, I live with people who get it and they understand and they're not judgmental. And, and I really love them for that. It's an amazing home environment and I go home and I don't have to worry about it. Tranquility is, for these people, a place to be themselves, without worry about the pressures that they face in everyday life. What I found most compelling about the interviews and conversations I had with these people is how typical they all were. They were scientists, poets, and politicians, fathers, sisters, sons, and daughters. What made them who they were was so much more than their gender identity. They simply want to be able to express that aspect of themselves alongside each other aspect. I found myself surprised by many of the stories I heard as I started asking around for this project. One of the most common threads between these stories was abandonment. Many had lost families and friends. For some, almost whole lives were uprooted because of rejection or even just fear of rejection. The question I had hoped to answer at the outset of this project was why this group felt the need for a monthly support group. What struggles caused this to be necessary? What I really found was that to be transgender in today's society is to be, at least at first, very lonely. The group is an obvious answer to this problem. It brings these lonely people together and gives them some support as they embark on their individual journeys to build up new lives. And hopefully, these lives can be ones where they are happier, healthier, and comfortable. Tranquility meets on the last Monday of every month at UF Health Street on Archer Road. They welcome trans folk, their families and friends, and one nosy journalist. Luke's